Hey budding lawyers, welcome to the podcast. Today we are going to have a chat with Mr. Animesh Bordeloy. Animesh holds a LLM degree from Animus Singapore in international arbitration and he had previously completed his BA LLB from NLU Assam. He is currently working as an assistant lecturer in OP Jindal Global University. Hey Animesh, what's up? Hi Prasanna, thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I have been following your your initiative since some, some time now, and I think it's very helpful to young lawyers and students alike. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so first, please uh, make our audience understand like the key difference between arbitration and other modes of dispute resolution, because. I think ADR uh, people have learned, like people have studied in their law school, uh, but there are very, you know, thin difference between each of the methods of uh, dispute resolution. So can you just uh, focus more on that? Let's start. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, to understand the ADR mechanism in India, you have to understand that, you know, even now we see that every now and then there's an amendment to the arbitration procedure, you know, the procedure or the arbitration act that is happening, right? So that itself gives you a background that the system in India, although it's it's well established, but it's still developing, right? Mm. Uh, and to understand the difference between both uh, all the processes, let's say for example, arbitration, mediation, conciliation, the primary difference is, you know, that arbitration is a more formal process when compared to mediation or conciliation, right? Uh, but then again, you cannot take this as, as the litmus test. I'll give you a very small example. Now, let's say when you take mediation, hmm. uh, what happens in mediation basically is that, you know, two parties will themselves agree that they want to settle the dispute outside court. And let's say if you and me are two parties and we have decided the dispute now, and we go back to the court using the civil procedure code, and, you know, we say that, and the court says that, all right, this dispute is settled between both the parties. I cannot now go and appeal on that very subject matter, right? So even though I say that mediation, let's say, is an informal process, the formality or the stamp of formality is given by the court, right? Mm. So that is one thing you have to keep in mind, even when I use the word informal. Now, uh, the difference between, let's say, a mediation and a conciliation would be the fact that in conciliation, it is a settlement because yeah. you'll have a conciliator who will be appointed and there'll be a particularly, uh, particularly a settlement rather than an agreement. In mediation, it would be a third party initiated settlement, uh, sorry, uh, you know, agreement between both the parties. But in conciliation, a conciliator will be appointed who is an expert in that, let's say, particular subject matter. Now, let's say if it's a con uh, construction dispute, the, the conciliator would be an expert from that construction uh, you know, uh, dispute area. And that particular person will give you certain uh, a draft. They will say, you know, these are the conditions that you need to accept if you want to enter into a settlement. And then a settlement would be agreed upon, right? But when you compare this to arbitration, and in spite of the entire aura that is created upon it, and but you know, there are again critics who say that arbitration is basically an extended version of litigation. Uh, and you could, you, you know, I could, I could talk about this all day, but to put it very briefly, you, you see these things happening in arbitration. I'll give you a very small example. In a recent amendment, when the time period for arbitration was reduced to 18 months, that is, you know, that you have to basically settle an arbitration within 18 months. A lot of people did not really 
exactly like that. Now, to think of it, uh, you know, an 18 month period for settlement of a dispute is actually a huge timeline. Right? Mm-hmm. And normally, commercial disputes should be settled within 18 months. But now, if people have problems with settlement of disputes within 18 months, that itself tells you that they're basically also questioning the intention of arbitration. And the intention of arbitration is efficient and fast disposal of cases, right? So I think that is also something that needs to be taken into consideration. And as far as the process is concerned, I think arbitration becomes a more formal process because uh, you have counsels from both sides arguing a matter, uh, just like, let's say, in a court. It's just that, uh, you know, in that in, in, a, in a arbitration, it is a more private process. Uh, it is a more private forum. You you won't have yeah, any other audience. Was, there is was, always the confidentiality factor. Yeah, I, I was going to come uh, to that point. Like, have you attended uh, live arbitration proceedings? Uh, can you tell us how is it conducted? Where is it conducted, etc.? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, look, I started teaching once I graduated, so I haven't been able to. I mean, it would be. Not fair to say that I have attended an entire arbitration proceeding, but yes, while being in Singapore, I was working for a law firm and, you know, as a trainee intern. And during that period, I had the opportunity. So I went to SIAC and I had the opportunity to attend an emergency arbitration. So the emergency arbitration is basically, you know, a form of arbitration where you, where parties approach before the the tribunal, before actually a tribunal is, uh, you know, constituted for interim reliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So that is, you could say before there is actually an arbitration taking place, it's a pseudo arbitration that takes place, but pseudo is not exactly the correct word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I had the opportunity uh, and what happens is, you know, you'd have uh, like a court, you'd have a judge, a judge here would be the arbitrator, of course, you'd have either one or three or five according to the whimsers of the parties and what they agreed on. But again, you know, similar to courts, there would be two councils or, uh, you know, two parties and the, the, the either party would have their own counsel. They would normally have a law firm or a, uh, you know or a famous counsel, and they would argue their point. The the only and you know similar to court, there would be evidences that would be showed. There would be documentary evidences. There would be witnesses. There would be everything. The only difference is that you know the court is a more public forum, and the arbitration becomes a a private forum, right? So I think that is the only difference. And you know, just to give you a very small backdrop or backdrop of it, uh, you know, uh, I, I I had attended a conference way way back, and there was one this uh, very famous vice chancellor, and he's a very well known academic. I wouldn't want to name him, but you know, he he and now it all makes sense to me because I think then I was too young to understand mm-hmm. it. He talked about the idea of privatization of justice, right? And you could say that arbitration is nothing but that, that very fact itself. Now, whether it is good or bad is for the people to decide. I would not comment on it. But if you look at it from that point, it is actually bringing justice within a private forum, right? You are bringing it from the court, which is a public forum, the private forum that is a room with all confidential uh, uh, is being taken into consideration. Yeah, and the uh, main also one main major difference is that the procedural aspects are much different. Like the procedure is much uh, faster than the like ordinary courts, right? Yeah, yeah, that is, that is. I mean, but you know, the point is, I completely agree with you that the idea of arbitration is to have faster procedure, but then, you know, in a, in a more realistic scenario, I think we are somewhere, uh, you know, we have this idea that there's always a delay that takes place in the courts, maybe whoever, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say that is because of X or Y, 
but you know that that same thing happens in arbitration as well there is always excuses that are that are being given that delays the proceeding so yeah that is also uh, being uh, you know that also exists in arbitration so, yeah. okay okay i got your point how how are uh, arbitrators addressed uh, by the lawyers so they mostly say it's mr arbitrator uh, you know it, they use the word arbitrator to mostly you know uh, address them that is how they do at least in the proceeding that i was there that is how they do yeah. okay so what what type of matters are usually suggested for arbitration from what you know you know i think arbitration is a more more uh, forum uh, you know is a means that is used mostly in commercial disputes mm-hmm. for example let's say in all kinds of commercial disputes could be a contractual dispute it could be an agreement that's been entered into two parties to companies or you know construction disputes is one area where arbitration is very widely used uh, you know mostly commercial disputes unlike mediation you also you know in mediation you see it in commercial disputes but you also see it its application in personal spaces as well for example in you know in cases of uh, divorce and marriage you see the application of mediation as well mm-hmm. but arbitration i think it's mostly used in the commercial space acha Do, do you think it is widely used in india like arbitration absolutely i think arbitration is very widely used uh, but you know again coming into that that point you know uh, there are very different ways i think in which arbitration is used for example if you move into the metropolitan cities let's say if you go into mumbai or delhi you would see that arbitration are mostly uh, huge arbitration there are there are million dollar arbitrations that is happening on a daily basis right but let's say if you move into the smaller cities let's say if you go into a uh, jabalpur or you go to the guwahati high court you see that arbitration are happening there as well but uh, maybe the quantum of uh, money that is associated is less but again i think the, if you ask me the idea of arbitration yes it takes place to a great extent uh, i think more than arbitration it is the interim measures that are been taking place in a more frequent measures uh, frequent more frequently so i think yeah but to answer your question briefly yes arbitration is very widely used in india today okay so it's not a something very new or it's quite familiar with all um, people litigators and lawyers yes it is it is but but you know uh, there's one thing that i would address here though and this is from my own experience as well you know what happens is even if let's say there are two parties that have an arbitration clause within uh, within their contract there is always this attempt by at least one party who let's say if i initiate an arbitration by giving you a notice of arbitration there would always be this attempt from the other party to say that you know this arbitration clause should not exist so we should rather go to litigation so what why i'm telling you this is even though the arbitration's idea is to dispose of the case very quickly but because they go to court it takes at least 6 to 1 year to settle that dispute and once that dispute is settled before you know before the court actually gives a judgment the 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 party that started the arbitration will ask for interim measures after one year then they'll initiate the arbitration so that takes a long process as well so i think it's a mixture of the judicial process plus arbitration that is happening in india currently yeah and in short the purpose of arbitration is not fulfilled right <laughs> yes most of the times yeah okay okay so let's now move on to singapore okay 
you did your masters from nus singapore any specific reason for that because you usually prefer people prefer to go to uk us and study law do their masters over there so what was your reason to go to nus singapore i actually had quite a few reasons you know uh, singapore in asia is the hub of most commercial disputes if you look into maybe a chart or if you look research on it you would see that most of the indian disputes are referred to singapore as the seat of arbitration and because singapore has ciac you see most of the commercial disputes happening there so that was one primary reason the second was that the 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 quality that nus provided in spite of being in asia was amazing you know i had wonderful faculties teaching uh, us throughout the process you know we had someone like uh, gary bond we had kaufman koller come and take classes uh, they were guest lecturers but we also had in house faculty from uh, you know uh, nus who were excellent we had professor jean ho uh, and professor gary pel who are renowned names in international arbitration so i think that itself was a motivating factor another very important factor i think that people i don't know if people consider this but i did was the you know how big the country was and i tell you this is an important factor is because because singapore is such a small country right what it offered me was if i am taking a class at 9 to 12 9 from 9 to 12 in the morning if i have a seminar or a conference at let's say 3 in the afternoon i couldn't attend that as well so what help that helps you is a uh, net networking right so networking also plays a very significant part of your master's journey so i think singapore offers this very conveniently also i think i took the monetary aspect into consideration the in spite of singapore being a very expensive country i think it is it is less expensive when you can uh, compare it to let's say a european country so i think these are the factors that are taken into consideration while choosing nus and its ranking of course is another another you know just icing on the cake so yeah mm-hmm. yeah i've heard about that university so why didn't you prefer working there uh, in singapore after your masters Uh, again you know there are quite a few reasons primarily also because we were hit by the pandemic while being in singapore so you know we Achha. we were in a scenario we ha- we had to come back but uh, having said that you know i also wanted to first have i had done my masters directly after my undergraduate so you know going by that if i would have gone to a firm the nature of work would have been very different so i wanted to explore more options before getting in, in, into a firm itself so that was also one of the personal reasons but uh, you know overall i think the pandemic also pushed us out of singapore towards the end hmm. okay um, if like can you suggest any other universities uh, people must look for if they are considering a career in international arbitration like nus is one good option apart from that i think apart from nus there is the mids geneva program which is really nice uh, but i think it also has you have to understand that the mids program offers uh, you a course i think only after you have certain amount of experience hmm. but uh, again i think nus has some kind of an understanding with the mids geneva program so i had a classmate who after completing her masters from singapore went to the the geneva course right so it's a dual degree program so that is also a very good program then you have paperdine university which i think also offers a very good uh, international arbitration course 
so i think these are some of the uh, you know renowned programs in international arbitration there okay. are also of course so, so other universities in uk which do offer international arbitration commercial arbitration to the motor side hmm. and these universities which you just suggested are uh, in asia itself or in europe no UK? no 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 these are mostly european university i think yeah in asia if you ask me uh, singapore of course offers a uh, singapore there are a number of institute which offers actually uh, other than anywhere there is the smu the singapore management university which has a course in arbitration if i am not wrong hmm. uh, then there is also one in hong kong so yeah in asia i think these are three very good universities that offer arbitration hmm cool how was your overall experience in nus any specific thing which is very unique or you liked a lot about that university you would like to share there are yeah i think there are quite a few factors that played into it i think as i told you the faculty was amazing so they were always there to help i there were there were faculties who, who you know helped you throughout the process be it in research or be it in any other uh, you know problem relating to academics or you know in your profession that was one factor i think singapore is also a multi dimensional country it offers you a lot of perspectives from food to people so i think i like that as well with regards to the university particularly i think that uh, it gave you a lot of options because uh, there were actually two campuses we had the public policy students as well so i think it offered you different dimensions with regards to that yeah i think other than academia the give with the fact that you know singapore was such a small country it also allowed you to explore the region which i think is also very important when you go to a masters program so i think yeah, i liked overall the package of singapore a lot i think <laughs> yeah and you said there were two campuses so one was a separate campus for policy school uh, courses like the university has two such schools one is uh, public policy and the other is law is it like that no so what happens is uh, so the the law school and the public policy school are together in the old campus so that is the bukit timah campus and the new uh, university is a little far away but they have bus services uh, you know running throughout the day but you know the law school is in a more you could say in a heritage site it's a, you know so yeah but the new campus has now moved on to a new 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 place so, okay. but th- then- those are two different campuses new campus has uh, like which school is there oh you have all the schools there let's say for example the management school the engineering school so all, all the okay, schools okay, are there okay. except for the public policy and the law school law school okay so uh, if we talk about india now so do we have any llm programs in india specializing in arbitration only from what i know prasanna i don't think there is uh, but i you know from the little that i know i think there are a few universities uh, private universities which offer an llm in arbitration i'm not sure if they are still running there are a lot of diploma courses though in international arbitration and you know from what i know from my friends as well you know if you take let's say a commercial law specialization in your llm in india they have an elective or a, a subject as adr but uh, if you ask me an llm and international arbitration i i don't think it exists in india hmm so hopefully we'll have something in future <laughs> let's see i i do hope because you know it's it's so many indians are going abroad i think having that course in india itself is beneficial to a lot many people actually hmm. and it will also encourage arbitration more in india 
Yes, absolutely. It, it will create a you know it will full, fulfill that gap of you know academic as well as professional development in arbitration. Hmm. So, uh, is, is studying arbitration in some other country better than studying it in India? As you said, like we don't have a proper course, but uh, doing this diploma and other courses, which uh, along with the LLM, the, does it make any difference for those lawyers who want to work in India only and not on, uh, not in any other country? Yeah, you know. Uh, talk about it because arbitration is such a practical course. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether you take it from India or from another country. But having said that, uh, you'll have to also keep in mind that let's say if there's a course in India that deals with arbitration and somebody decides to take it, how that course actually is whether they, that course is able to bring the top 10% or 15% arbitration practitioners to teach in India is also a very significant point, right? So I think because if you are taking a master's, you basically want to notch up your level to some extent, right? So that is also something that you might have to consider. Having said that, you know, there are practitioners in India who are doing very well, not just in India, but throughout the, the world, right? So even mm -hmm. if you could attract that talent, maybe then if, even if you learn arbitration in India, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really matter. But, but again, as I said, it's because it's a practical course. Let's say if you're not very inclined to the academy of arbitration, if you are more into the practice of arbitration, even an LLM degree or not having an LLM degree is not that big a difference, right? In most cases, because yeah. LLM so basically you have to understand is a basically is a, we can say that degree. basically yeah. we can say that it's like litigation. Like the more practical experience you have, the better yeah. you are. You are, you will Absolutely. become a pro if you have more practical experience uh, rather yeah. than just uh, yeah. having some degrees. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me whether I know more than a person who has been involved in litigation plus arbitration for the last five years, the answer is no. Hmm. But the reason for my master is to have that academic understanding of arbitration, which is different from practical understanding of arbitration. That is something that we all have to keep in mind before we pursue a master. Okay, so as you were talking about this uh, online thing, what is your take on online arbitration or online dispute resolution? Do you think it is more efficient or things are better when it's offline? I think, you know, I think this is, uh, this is a question that has been asked many times. Uh, mm -hmm. And given the pandemic now, now that, you know, so many physical hearings have now been converted into virtual hearings. The question, I think the debate has started once, you know, once again. Uh, but having said that, you know, I think the ODR platform is mm. a very different platform. That's let's right. say because, let's, because, you know, because let's say if there's a physical hearing that was taking place and now that's been converted into an online hearing, the parties will contest firstly the seat of arbitration, which becomes such an integral part because, you know, there are so many factors that could come into it, whether the technology available to both the parties is same. Let's say one party is sitting in, uh, in, a, in a third world country and mm. the other party is from, let's say, some first world country, whether the access to technology would be the same because there's so much of confidentiality. It's not like you could just use, let's say, one of the uh, apps that we use for a video conferencing in an arbitration. There's just so much that goes into it. But when you compare this to the ODR mechanism, 
I think it's a, it's a developing area. You you could see more of ODR, let's say, in consumer disputes or in disputes where you don't really need two arguing councils, right? Uh, in that case, you could see more of the ODR coming up in the in the in the times to come. But you know, the problem is even if you let's say have those consumer disputes being conducted through the ODR mechanism, there are a lot of complaints that come in. In India, if you see historically, consumers prefer the consumer forum rather than using the ODR of a big multinational company because they still think that you know their side of the story is not being heard. So then the rule of law comes into question, right? So these are these are greater ideas I think that needs to be focused upon. But I'd just I, you know, but I'd end with this. Over the last two years, three years, there's been immense development, especially with the development of blockchain technology, with the technology, with the rise of cryptocurrency, and things like that. Now, because there are such safe ways through which you could address uh, arbitration, because now there are locked files, there the mechanism is so different from uh, now with regards to ODR. If they can implement these technologies in the later stages of ODR. You know, I, I'll not, uh, you know, neglect the idea that ODR can actually become as important as physical hearings in arbitration, but that needs to be implemented. How it's implemented, it only time will tell. Okay, good insight. Uh, but if we look at it as an overall uh, ADR, do you think arbitration specifically is more effective uh, considering the costs involved there? Because in arbitration, there are a lot of costs involved as what what from what i have heard the fees of arbitrator and all or sometimes it also goes in lakhs for hearing particular yeah. hearings so what do you think like spending so much is is it effective so i think you have basically entered into the pandora's box here because you know the idea of arbitration initially was to have a more effective and cost effective means of uh, dispute resolution but over the years we have seen that it really hasn't remained that and uh, it's it's because it's it's now such a demanding area of dispute resolution you see councils whether firms or councils or even arbitrators charging a lot and, mm. and i think the basic uh, example of this you could say uh, stems from the fact that very recently india had to actually bring up an amendment which regulates the fees of arbitrators right so that itself gives you an insight into the fact that maybe the idea of arbitration being a cost effective mechanism hasn't remained so uh, so yeah i think and and this is now this has now actually become a very disputed argument as to whether it is cost effective at all um, the charges that happen are ultimately as much as litigation or even more sometimes so yeah mm. that way i think that way i think it hasn't remained that so whatsoever mm. so i guess uh, people involved in arbitration proce proceedings lawyers and all can make good memes out of this whole <laughs> procedure of arbitration. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there, there are lawyers who just do arbitration to do, right? There are, there are judges, retired judges who do a lot of arbitration. And you have to understand that if there's a judge who has worked for 65 years of his life, he, he won't come cheap, right? He won't mm. come for one lakh rupees. He would, of course, demand what's, what's deserved of him. So I think one way, though, to address this is something that India needs to, I mean, it's not like a statute will have to bring it up, but I think the, the mechanism has to change. So, and this is, I think, one, one such thing that I found in, in, in Singapore. And when I saw in Singapore, I also researched of the other backgrounds. If you see, let's say if you, uh, if you see in UK, academicians become arbitrators, right? Mm. 
in in singapore let's say academicians are arbitrators we had a lot of academicians uh, there was uh, professor benjamin hughes there was professor lawrence boo who are very famous academicians but they are also involved in the process of arbitration and they are also very famous arbitrators right but if you look into india that is not something that really happens you don't have academicians being appointed arbitrators regularly it there might be an exception but that has to start i think you know you have to allow a more flexible regime uh, so you know if you have academicians come into the fray then when you take this socio economic factors into consideration maybe only then you can address this issue of cost effectiveness of arbitration so i think it's a larger issue rather than focusing on one amendment that you know tries to regulate the uh, regulate the fee of arbitrator because the arbitrator can even if you take fees the arbitrator if if i am i am an arbitrator let's say i i can have 100 other means of asking money right i could say that oh you know 15 lakhs is my fee but you'll have to arrange for all my accommodations all my uh, all my travels things like that so i think that is that's a larger socio economic aspect into mm. it i think that must happen so that even uh, we can see in future mr animesh sitting on an arbitrator seat someday <laughs> <laughs> that 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 i don't know but you yeah, know i i i'll never say no to that <laughs> <laughs> okay so over to our last question please share an incident from your career which is very memorable to you oh that's that's a that's a difficult one person i think uh, there are a lot of instances uh, but because because you know it's a because it's a it's a show that deals with young lawyers this is this is particularly one thing that i'd say you know that uh, i've seen over the over the years that being hesitant and being shy doesn't really work in law you know you have to approach people and uh, you know in your career if you keep on trying to talk to people you will obviously in in i mean in your profession i think you'll always find people who who will help you out in the process so one memorable instance was uh, while in singapore you know i i went to a conference and because you know you you said itself that i come from uh, national law university assam i was studying in assam before this and i did not really know anyone in singapore uh, <laughs> at least in the field of law and i just happened to talk to one of his partners who was speaking at the conference and that partner was a very renowned name in international arbitration uh, you know when i met that partner in singapore uh, there's this this you could say there's the system where whether it's a partner or anyone you know they give you they give you their business card right so that you could always stay in contact so i just happened to write to that partner after a few days because uh, you know i was following a a case that the partner was doing and the partner was so kind to actually reply and you know ask me if i was actually interested to work and that is how actually i ended up having that you know training internship with that firm so i think that was very memorable because when when i was in india that is not something that i had experienced before so as a law student back then i think that was very memorable and the message that goes around with it is you'll always have people like this who would be willing to help you if they see that you are interested in your area of work right so i think there is very important to show your interest and once you do you never know where 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 the positives lie right so i think that that particularly for me was uh, pretty memorable uh, as a law student yeah back then yeah i agree i mean uh, getting some such help especially in a foreign country uh it will be yeah. a memorable thing yeah absolutely hmm. yeah. okay animesh thank you so much for uh this informative conversation and sh- sharing your experience with us 
and thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you if this episode ha- added some value to you then please share this episode with your friends and colleagues also you can also ch- check out our other episodes available here and follow us here so that you don't miss out a new episode thank you